We're going to study tonight a tshuva of the Maharam Shik, Ramosha Shik, one of the leading Talmidim of the Chasim Sofer. This is a fascinating tshuva. Actually, it took me a while to convince myself that we never actually covered this one before in our Wednesday night share. I have discussed it in other shiurim. It's just one of the most fascinating and lurid and salacious and sensational cases ever to be discussed in a tshuva. But as far as I know, we've never discussed it in a share in the series, so we'll discuss it tonight. About a week or two ago, the right-wing parties in Israel, in the government, are proposing and debating a bill that would impose the death penalty for terrorists. So the political right, the ideological right, is strongly in favor. The Haredi parties are somewhat ambivalent. Why are they ambivalent? So first of all, because the Haredi parties, while ideological on religious issues, tend to be much more pragmatic and less ideological on security issues. They, they tend to, to defer and to give way to the opinions of the security professionals who say that the death penalty might be uh, not such a great idea and might actually make martyrs and encourage more, more uh, terrorism. But even more interesting is the halachic and religious argument. The, the, the reports out of Israel were quoting... We're quoting an MK from Agudas Yisrael, from the, from, from the Agudat Yisrael, who says that apart from the security issue, issues, there's also a halachic issue. Because even though this bill is, is targeting Arabs, but the Supreme Court can decide at any time that the law will also apply to Jews. Who are we to advance a law that will lead to imposing the death penalty on Jews? Is the Sanhedrin around? That uh, apparently some of the Haredi parties are concerned, and this is not the first time they've brought this up, they say that Rabbi, the chief rabbi, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, was, uh, that, that probably should be uh, Yitzchak Yosef, I suppose, but um, they, they say that he was publicly opposed to a death penalty for terrorists in 2018 for these two reasons. First of all, the Shin Bet thought it might be a bad idea. They might kidnap Jews to use them for bargaining chips for terrorists on death row, but also... But also he was concerned that they might apply it to Jewish terrorists, people who, are, who killed Arabs and so on. Only the Sanhedrin has the power to sentence a Jew to death. So we're going to discuss tonight several tshuvas that directly address this question. Is this really true that only the Sanhedrin can sentence a Jew to death? Do, is, it, is it legitimate? Is it ever legitimate for, an, for a non-Jewish government or for a Jewish government not in the time of the Sanhedrin without the, without the authority of the Sanhedrin? Is it, is, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it ever legitimate for a is it ever legitimate for a modern government to, to, to sentence a, a Jew to death? And the government may not ask us, but the question for us obviously is: Can we support this? Can we support laws that will that may give the government power to apply the death penalty to Jewish criminals as a member of the executive branch or as a member of the, the government in general? Is, is it is it legitimate for a Jew? to be involved with the machinery of death, the machinery of death that may apply to a Jewish criminal at some point. Is it legitimate for Jews to participate in the mechanism of government, of, the, of legal proceedings, of judicial proceedings, which, which may result in the death penalty being applied to a Jew? So the Maram Sheikh is one of the most important tshuvas on this topic. There's also a very important tshuva of the Rashba, which he cites, 
In order to understand the, these tshuvas, we have to consider a fascinating passage in the Talmud, around which much of their discussion revolves. The Talmud is in Bav Metziah, Daf Pegimolam and Beis, Pegdalam and Aleph, Talmud Bavli. The Gemara says that Rabbi Elazar, the son of Rabbi Shimon, he once encountered a, a government official who was apparently an investigator of some sort, and it was this, this official's job, he was a kind of detective, it was his job to, to uh, identify and apprehend criminals. So he asked him, how are you so sure that you're getting it right? You know, you're, you're doing your best, but yeah, maybe you're wrong, maybe, maybe you're getting, criminals are, are sneaky, they're tricky. How can you be so sure you're getting the right ones? So the officer said, well, what should I do? It's my job. That, that, that's my, the, the king appointed me to this position. I have to do the best I can. What should I do? Rabbi Lezib Rabbi Shimon said, I'll help you out. I'll, I'll teach you how this is done. He was apparently a uh, proto-Sherlock Holmes. He was able to infer from people's conduct, from subtle, subtle, from subtle aspects of people's conduct, whether they were criminals or not. The Gemara gives an example. Doesn't seem the most compelling example. The Gemara gives an example. He says that uh, this was his lesson. He said, "Go into the the tavern Barba Shay in the mid morning. Go into a, a wine shop, and if you see people who are drinking and uh, nodding off, then uh, investigate what his story is. It's, it's an odd time to be dozing off over your wine at uh, four hours into the day." If he's a Talmud Chacham, all right. So he's, then he, uh, he got up early to learn. By now, it's hours into the day. He's tired already. If he's a worker, he says, maybe he got up early to work. And if he's a night worker, he says that uh, even if nobody heard him working, maybe, maybe he was working at quiet work, nobody heard him. Basically, try to find out if he has a, a, if he has a satis- satisfactory explanation, if there's a satisfactory explanation for why he's suspiciously dozing off at four hours into the day. If not, if there's no, if, if, if his conduct remains inexplicable, Ganvahu, he's a criminal, he's, uh, he's um, previous night he was engaged in, uh, in uh, using the darkness for his nefarious activities, seize him. Okay, so when the government heard that Rebbe Shimon was such a clever, again, this doesn't seem to us, you know, just like some of the things in Sherlock Holmes, don't, they seem you know, clever for books, don't seem entirely effective in the real world, but the, the, this apparently was an impressive feat of deductive prowess. The government heard. They said, You should be the inspector. You're, you, really know what, you really know how to do this job. They made him the inspector. So he would, so, okay, he accepted the position, and he then carried out the, the government's uh, job in, in catching criminals, including Jewish criminals. And as we'll see from later on in the story, these criminals were killed. This is not the United States of America where, 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 where thieves are, are jailed or fined. They used to kill thieves. Until pretty recently, even the, even the West, thieves were killed. So he was, he, was, he was apprehending thieves, identifying and apprehending thieves, including Jewish thieves. The thieves would be, thieves would be executed. So Rabbi Shua ben Karcha, one of his colleagues, was not pleased. He said, Chometz ben Yayin. Vinegar, son of wine. Your father, Rabbi Shimon, was a great tzaddik. And look at you, you're uh, you're, you're 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 bringing death to Jewish people. How long will you go on giving over the people of our God for for death for execution? What's the problem? They deserve it. These are kotzim. These are thorns. We're, we're just uh, pruning the vineyard. We're 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 uh, 
We're weeding the vineyard. We're getting rid of the thorns. Shalach lei, not your affair, not your job. Yavah balakarim v'yichala eskotzev. Let HaKosh Baruch Hu do this. This is not your business to send Jews to death, even if you think they're Rishayim. And uh, the Gemara goes on. It has some other, other uh, interesting, interesting aspects of the story. But this debate, this debate remains, to a certain extent, unresolved. He justified what he was doing. He said, Kotzimuni Mechalam and HaKerem. Rabbi Shuman Karcha was not happy with him. Rabbi Shuman Karcha said, Yavu Balacherem V'yichalas Kotzav. You should not be giving over Am Hashem Laharigav. So the Mar goes. The Mar continues the story for a while. Later, the a little bit later, at the end of the daf, the beginning of the next daf, the Gemara brings a parallel story. It says, "V'Afrabi as well, another chacham of the Tanoim. He also found himself appointed as an investigator, and he also was uh, bringing about the death of Jewish criminals. Elio, Elio Anavi apparently appeared to Rabbi Shmuel Berbiosi. And he had the same objection. He said, How long will you do this? How long will you give over Jews to death? He had, he had a different argument. He didn't say they deserve it. He apparently was a little bit less sure that this was such a good idea. But he said, I have no choice. This is the Melech, the Melech tasked me to do this. I have no choice. You do have a choice. Your father, when faced with this choice, when faced with uh, this choice or a similar difficult choice, he ran away. He ran to Asya. He, it was an intolerable position to be in. He couldn't say no, so he, he fled. He, uh, he, he uh, accepted exile. You should flee as well. You should, if you can't say no to the government, you should flee. This is the wrong thing to do, Elio said. And I have no choice. It's not an excuse. You have a choice. Your choice should be exile and flight. Again, he thought this was a legitimate thing to do, at least if the government charged him to do this. And, and Elio said, no, this, this is not a good thing to do, and you should, be, you, should be, you should avoid it, you should flee if you have to. So, this is an Agatha Gemara, this is not exactly a Halakha Gemara, but still, the question is, you know, what do we take from here? Who was right? Was Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon, was Rabbi, was Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Shmuel, and Yossi right? Were, were their critics right? Was Rabbi Shubin Karcha and Elio and Avi right? What's the, what's the takeaway from this Gemara? So, there are a number of Rishonim who understand, a number of Rishonim and Achronim who understand that the Iker Adin is like Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yossi. The Iker Adin, this was a legitimate office to accept. They were allowed to do what they did. They were allowed to serve as investigators, even if this resulted in, in Jews being executed. So we'll see the tshuva in the Maram Sheikh soon. Before we get to it, we'll take a look at a tshuva of the Rashba. There is a tshuva of the Rivash. We're not going to get into in detail. Maram Sheikh is going to reference it. But the, the Rivash was talking about how Jews themselves used to punish, used to punish criminals. They had the authority from the government in the medieval period to police their own society, to, uh, to punish their own criminals. And the Rivash says, this is the Minog, and he says that uh, we are done in the Fashas Bismana even though formally we have no power of the Sanhedrin, we have no power to, to have uh, capital jurisprudence, but in terms of, uh, pragmatically, Lamigdar Milsa, Harasha, we do have the right to be done in the Fashas, and the Rivash explains it's not Minadin, Minadin is Padludin in the Fashas, it's Migdar Milsa, it's a special extra-legal authority that Bastin has, to do whatever is necessary to preserve order, to preserve civil and religious order. And he brings various proofs to this from the Talmud, that even absent the formal rules of judicial procedure, based in and the Gedolei Hadar have the right to 
act extra-legally to punish people that, that, that they needed to make examples of. And one of his arguments is from this Gemara. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, he says, we have Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, he says, would, uh, would kill Rishi Yisrael, normally capital punishment requires Edim, it requires Hasra. He didn't have that. And, uh, and, and this is all Nichlal and the Heter of Migdar Milsa. Again, he makes no mention of the fact that Rabbi Karka criticized him, but Mikra Din, the Rivash assumes it is Mutter. And this point is made most, uh, in, most, most pointedly by the Rashba. Fascinating tshuva, the Rashba. The Rashba said, the Rashba sent a letter to Chachmei Tzarfas. To the, the Rashba lived in Barcelona, in Spain. The Rashba, Rabbi Shlomo Ibn Adar, in the 13th and early 14th century. So the Rashba once sent a letter explaining and justifying his conduct. He says that he, and also another colleague named Rabbi Yonah, who was a, who was a first cousin of the better-known Rabbi Yonah Chassid, author of Shari Tshuva, and so on, so the Rashba and his rabbinic colleague Rabbi Yonah once once advised the king about a certain Jewish criminal, a certain about a certain Jewish criminal, a Malshin, someone who had been informing and causing trouble for the Jewish community. He once advised the king that this person should be killed. The Rashba that was a rather drastic step to take. So the Rashba the Rashba wrote this letter to the Chachmei Tsarfas, to the French Chachamim, to justify what he had done. Beis Yosef, it's a long tshuva. Beis Yosef quotes expert, uh, excerpts of the tshuva. It was actually not present in the, in the it was not printed for until relatively recently in the standard collections of the tshuva. Zarashba was in, in one of the recent uh, volumes, last couple of decades, was finally printed in, as the tshuvas miksavyad, additional tshuvas they found manuscripts for. So the, the Rasha makes a number of points about why he felt this was legitimate. So first of all, he, he gets into a technical discussion about the fact that they accepted witnesses, Shalobafnab Baldin, that the Baldin, the, this, uh, this Russia, this criminal, was not present in the proceeding where they, where they accepted the witnesses. The Russia proceeds to justify why he felt that was acceptable, because it was difficult to do. Uh, he, the fellow was Osir Brzezikim, he was in prison, he couldn't be present at the Basin proceeding. It, w- it wasn't practical for the Basin to gather the witnesses, bring him to the witnesses. So, for practical reasons, the Rashba says it was difficult to satisfy this requirement of accepting Adam Shlobofnab, of accepting, of, of hearing testimony, what we call, today we would call this, giving the accused the right to confront his accusers. It's a difficult and complicated sugya, we're not going to get into it, but the Rashba feels, based on the, that, that rule has certain exceptions, and the Rashba feels that in this case, the, 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 there, were, there were valid reasons, there were valid exceptions to this din, of uh, not accepting Aedus without the presence of the, of the defendant. Rashford feels this was justified, and therefore we actually have a valid Kabbalah's Aedus. Uh, Rashford goes on for a while about this. Then he says, Gidolo Mikalelu. Gidolo Mikalelu, beyond all these arguments for why we do have a valid uh, Aedus here, the, 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 the Kabbalah's Aedus, the, accept- the hearing the testimony was valid, even though the Baldin wasn't present. But beyond that, he says, this whole discussion of whether the formal rules of procedure were followed or not would be relevant if we ourselves were paskining and we, are, we were imposing the death penalty on our, in our own judicial framework, then yes, then we, we have rules, we have psukim, and we have mishnayas and gemaras, we have all kinds of halachas that regulate the, the rules of criminal procedure, of halacha. Yes, absolutely, we have these rules. However, nidon shalafanenu sh'anu lodananu, we didn't judge him, we were consulted 
by the royal household. We were consulted by the king and the king's, uh, the, the king's advisors. We were consulted by the king, Liros Bavono, to look into his, his crimes, and to give our recommendation, to, 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 give a, to, to make a recommendation about what this man's fate should be. And based on what, uh, and, um, based on what he had done, based on our investigation into what he did, we said that he, the king can punish him, the king can kill him. Says the Rashba, this is completely not relevant to the rule, the halachic rules of judicial procedure. They are completely inapplicable to this case. Because lo nemru dvarim halalu, these rules, the, the very rigid and very strict rules of judicial procedure which halacha has, these rules only apply to dine Sanhedrin, mixeris akasiv. When the Sanhedrin is judging or other bate din, they're bound by all the formal rules of procedure. Avol bedina de malchusa, when the government is judging, when the Melech is judging, whether Jewish or non-Jewish Malchus, apparently, ein mashkichin b'chalelu. None of these formal, rigid rules of procedure apply. None of this is relevant, he says. She'ein dinam elachri They have only one criterion they have to satisfy. When, when, when the government applies, uh, does, does justice, there's only one criterion that has to be met, and that is getting to the truth, finding out what actually happened. All the rigid procedures that we have apply to Sanhedrin, the Melech is free and is not bound by any of these rules. The only thing he's bound by is justice and, to, and, and to, find, to make sure that he knows what actually happened. He can be punished by the government, even the testimony of relatives. Relatives, of course, are not kosher as witnesses in Halacha, but the Melech, not bound by that rule. Self-incrimination. In Halacha, unlike, unlike in American law, in American law, you have a right you, know, you, you have a right to not do self-incrimination, but you're allowed to self-incriminate. A person has the right to confess to a crime. And if he does, the, the court can accept that confession, assuming it wasn't coerced. In halacha, there's actually a rule that self-incrimination is simply not acceptable. If a person confesses a crime, it's, we simply dismiss it. We say it has no, no weight. We have to have witnesses. He can confess till he's blue in the face. It has no, it ha- it has no significance. We just ignore it. But the Melech is not bound by that. The Melech is allowed to convict and punish someone based on self-incrimination. We know that based on only punishes for criminal offenses, if the person had been duly warned before he committed the crime, he has to have issued a formal, a formal warning by the witnesses, do not do this. If you do, you will be subject to such and such a penalty, flogging or death penalty. That's called hasra. That's one of the fundamental protections that a, that a defendant has. He has to have been warned. Melech is not bound by that. The Rashba, again, he summarizes, The only thing the Malchus has to care about is, is getting to the truth. He's not bound by any of these formal rules of, civil, of criminal procedure. If you would not say this, the Rashba says, If you would really insist on holding the Melech to the same standard, to the same rules of criminal procedure that the Sanhedrin has, the world wouldn't function. The world would be desolate. The, the crime would crime would flourish. There, there'd be no, no there'd be no deterrent and no punishment for, for crime. That criminals would just abound and proliferate because the the power of the court is so circumscribed and so limited. Therefore, the melech has to have much broader powers. The melech only has to be concerned with getting with finding the truth and acting accordingly. He's not bound by any of these formal rules of criminal procedure. This is not, of course, the way we do things in modern Western democracies. We, we, we go back to the halakhic system where there are elaborate and numerous 
rigorous safeguards, and they don't, they don't always work. We still, we, still fought, we still wind up executing actually innocent people sometimes, but at least we try. We try to have numerous and elaborate uh, procedures that are meant to, certainly with regard to capital cases, but criminal jurisprudence in general, is meant to avoid convicting innocent people. We have all kinds of technical rules, you know, the whole expression, getting off on a technicality. That's exactly what, that's what the Rashba calls Xerosikasiv. We have all kinds of technicalities. The Rashba says the Melech and the government are not bound by these kind of rules, but we, we of course, in the modern United States, the government has decided, the, the, our democracy has decided, most democracies have decided, that, the, that it is important to have all kinds of formal, rigor, uh, rigid requirements for criminal procedure. But the Rashba says that's not workable, the Rashba says. The Melech has to have pretty much untrammeled power to do whatever he wants, and therefore, the Melech doesn't care. He doesn't have aid, He doesn't have kosher aidim. He doesn't have. I mean, the, the, our government also doesn't care about formally kosher aidim. The hasra and aidim, self-incrimination, everything is fine. The Rashba says certainly the halachic rigid requirements do not apply. The Melech just has to care about Yedias Ms, and that's it. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, um, but, like, could he count as one, as one? No. Simcha wants to know if a person, if a person confesses to a crime, can he count at least as one of two witnesses? The answer is no, because the, the witnesses have to be neutral and outside parties, and not the, not the, not the defendant himself. The Gemara goes so far as to actually ask a question, even if there are two parties, two neutral witnesses who saw the crime, what, there is a halacha, and one of the many, many formal rules of criminal procedure is that if you have a group of witnesses, civil or criminal procedure, if you have a group of witnesses and one of them turns out to be invalid, the entire group uh, is, is invalidated. Even if there are three witnesses and one of them turns out to be possible for some reason, we don't just say, okay, uh, strike his testimony and accept the testimony of the other two. We say the entire group is now disqualified. So the Gemara asks, every time two witnesses witness a crime... If the perpetrator himself was a witness to his own crime, why don't we say that he then joins the two witnesses and he invalidates the whole group so you can never convict anybody? The Gemara asks that question. The Gemara gives an answer. But the point is, no. Self-incrimination has no weight and it, it doesn't actually invalidate other witnesses, but he does not count as one of two witnesses and you need two other witnesses. But says Arashpa, that's only when it comes to Din Sanhedrin. That does not apply to the Din of the Melech. Odgidolomizu, the Rashba says, the Gemara, the Gemara of Rabbi Laws and Rabbi Shimon. The Gemara says that he was apprehending criminals, Ganavim. They weren't even murderers, they were just Ganavim. And he had the authority of the Malka, the Hormon of the Malka, and they punished them. Rabbi Shalom Rabbi did that as well. And even though they had their detractors, even though Rabbi Shuban Karcha said, Chometz ben Yayin, you're, uh, you're vinegar, and even though Elio told Rabbi Shalom Rabbi the same thing, you're vinegar, says the Rashba, it can't be that they were completely wrong and they were... And they were and they were avaryanim, and they were doing a terrible iser of killing innocent men. He says, you know, chas if, if they missed a clear halacha, he says, they would have used a lot stronger language than chometz ben yayin. They would have said, toem gemurim. They would have said, you're, doing, you're terrible, you're doing something terribly wrong. They just said chometz ben yayin, which, which implies chometz ben yayin. The Gemara uses that language about people who don't wait 24 hours between meat and milk. Uh, the various Chacham in the Gemara said, and Chulun, I believe, they said, I'm like, hum, I'm like Cholabar Chamra to my father. My father waited 24 hours between meat and milk. I only wait Suda la Suda. I only wait six hours. So, again, the Ikra Din, what they were doing was fine. They, they, they weren't calling themselves Rishayim. But, but they mean that, that there was a higher Madrega, which my father did, was to wait 24 hours. Says the Rashba, that's what this Gemara means as well. 
he was saying, Machmas Chasidusan, that the Elio and Rabbi Shuban Karcha, the critics meant, you, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon, you, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yossi, you're such pious and, and refined individuals, spiritually refined individuals, you should have avoided doing this. If it's not according to Din Torah, it's mutter. What the government is doing is legitimate, and, and it's mutter for a Jew to help them. But you shouldn't get involved. It's, not, it's, not, it's, it's a dirty business, and it's not, it's not something that a great chassid like you should, should get involved in. That was the whole discussion. They thought it was a fine thing to do. The critics thought it was uh, not, not such a fine thing to do. Everyone agreed it was mutter. Everyone agreed it was a legitimate thing to do. The, the, the argument was, was whether, it was the, whether it was an ideal practice for a gadol Israel, a chassid in, 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 a chassid in the time of the, the Mishnah, whether it was appropriate for him to do it. But Mikra, Din, the Rashba says, clearly it was, clearly it was mutter. Furthermore, when Elio challenged Rabbi Ishmael and he said, Rabbi Ishmael's defense was, I have no choice, uh, the, the government demands that I do it. So if it was really usher, if what he was doing was killing a person in Shiloka Din, what do you mean Hormona de Malka? That he should have told him. He should have told him, that's too bad. Who said your blood is redder than his? If he's an innocent man, I'll be Torah. He, you're causing death to, a, to an innocent man who, who doesn't deserve the death penalty. He might be a crook, but he might be a thief, but he's not, he's not liable for the death penalty. You have to give up your life rather than sentence an innocent person to death. That, that's not an answer. I have no choice. So give up your life. You, you can't just kill innocent people because the government tells you to. We established that in Nuremberg. The, I was following orders. It's not, an, it's, it's not, a, it's not a defense against uh, crimes against humanity. Here it wasn't a crime against humanity, but if you're killing an innocent man, Shalok, Shalok, telling saying I was following orders is not a defense. Says the Rashba, Vadai Kidamrinan, the government has the right to do this. If you're appointed for, by the Melech, you have the right to do it. Melech Mishpatim Elu Yamid Aretz. This is a legitimate activity of government, even though it's not Alpid and Torah, it's fine. Nevertheless, Eliyahu felt, as a Midas Chasidus, you should avoid this at all costs. The Meikra Din, it is Mutter, this was not murder, this was not judicial murder. Meikra Din, this was Mutter. This is a seminal tshuva of the Rashba quoted by later authorities, as we'll now see in the tshuva of the Maram Sheik. So the Maram Sheik now, we're skipping forward about, skipping forward about six centuries, five and a half, six centuries. Maram Sheik has, as I said, this uh, incredibly salacious and lurid case. The case was as follows. The case involved a suspected murderess. The case involved Uvda Bish, a, uh, a, a bad business, a nasty business. Sheira Sheochiv Hamanoach, the rabbi who was corresponding with the Maram Sheik, his brother, his late brother, a man named Rabbi Mordechai, Meis Beisru Chag Shal Pesach Tafresh Chav Gimel. The day after Pesach, in the year 1863, his brother had died under suspicious circumstances. His brother had died under suspicious circumstances, Nisa Episomius, a sudden and unexpected death. And this was very suspicious. Benachshedes Eishes Achiv. His sister-in-law, the dead man's widow, was suspected she was suspected of poisoning her husband. He doesn't give you the, all the salacious details, but he says there were many circumstantial reasons to believe that she had murdered her husband. Poison, the, woman, the woman's weapon. There was sort of a confession. It's hard to know what that means. What is I guess she made some comment like if I did it, he deserved it, or she said something like, uh, she, she said something that was maybe not an explicit confession, you can use your imagination, I guess, she said something that was uh, quasi uh, self-incriminatory. Furthermore, 
she was suspected of having an affair with someone else. He had apparently collaborated with her in poisoning her husband. Again, what the evidence was, he doesn't say. We'll take his word for it. There was some degree of suspicion and even circumstantial evidence that she was guilty of poisoning her husband, killing her husband. Now, the Rashmus correspondent, his rabbinic correspondent, wrote to him saying that that the gedolim of that, of that country, of that dar, wrote to him, Apparently their father was still alive, the father of these brothers was still alive, and they, they, they don't understand the father's perspective. The father apparently is not raising an outcry about this, that, one, that his uh, daughter-in-law poisoned his son. Mazushtika. This is not something that, we, that should be, we should keep quiet about. Shaladaita mitzvah lavar hara. These gedolim said, we should, uh, we should get to the bottom of this. We should involve the civil authorities. Mitzvah lavar hara. We should not be covering this up. We should, just because she's Jewish, we should not be covering up a murder. We should not be covering up her and her paramours, her suspected paramours' involvement in, in, in this affair. We, we, have, we have mosaic justice, an eye for an eye, a, 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 soul, a life for a life. Someone commits murder, blood for blood. We have to, uh, we have to, uh, we, 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 have to, we have to do what we have to do. So we, uh, we what, what is this that we, uh, the Gedolim said, we have to, the Gedolim said that we have to, we, we have to expose this, we have to punish her. And he, he wanted to know what to do. So the person wrote to the Maram Sheik, she's Jewish, I mean, she's a Jewish woman, do we really want to turn her over to the tender mercies of the Hungarian, or I'm not sure what country it was, but the, some 19th century European justice system? You can, this is, you, can, you can imagine this argument today as well. We have this all the time. There's a Jewish criminal somewhere. Some people say, throw the book at him, but he deserves it. Lock him up. Let's get him locked up and throw away the key. Others say, he's Jewish. You know, we should protect our own. This was a murder. That, that, uh, usually the, the most cases we discuss were somewhat less dramatic. They were usually, usually financial crimes or embezzlement or something like that. This was murder, actually. But okay, but there was apparently a debate about this. There were apparently some who felt that we should... We should sweep this under the rug, and others and can cover it up. And others felt no, blood for blood. Uladaiti says the Maram Sheikh. My opinion is as follows: Hine, Misha Mechoyev Misa, Shasa Masa, Masha Vasra. Let's say we have someone who 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 we've established is guilty. We have all the formalities, witnesses, warning, everything. So what happens then? So are we allowed to show compassion and, uh, and, and give him another chance or not? Says the Baram Sheikh, no. That's the first step. If someone is actually guilty, it is prohibited to show compassion. We are based in his commanded, you're not allowed to have compassion on someone who's guilty of a serious crime. According to the Ramban, it's actually a, a specific mitzvah, that it means uh, destroying the evil, means destroying the, the practitioners of evil. It's not limited to the Goel Hadam, to the relatives, to the blood avenger. It's a mitzvah on Klal Yisrael in general that uh, to bring those who are guilty to Bastid and have them punished for, for their crimes. The Rambam does not count it as one of the Tariq mitzvahs, but it's not a machlokis ladina, it's just a machlokis and how to count the mitzvahs. Everyone agrees that if someone actually is guilty, compassion is not an option. We are obligated to 
bring him to justice and punish him. Even if we don't know he's guilty, even if we think he may be guilty, we, that's also our obligation. The obligation is to subject him to due process, to bring him to, to investigate and to, uh, and to lock him up and to, uh, and to find out, uh, what, to, to try to get to the bottom of it. Furthermore, there is a procedure in the Gemara, Rambam codifies it, even in cases where the formalities I keep mentioning have not been met. We don't have proper aidim, we don't have proper hasra. Well, we'll, we'll discuss exactly which formalities in a moment. Even in cases where all the requirements for judicial execution are not met, some of them are not met, there is still a process by which we kill him anyway using a kind of semi-formal, extra-legal procedure called consonos of the kippa. We put him in a, in a jail cell and we treat him in such a way that he, that he dies. We, 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 we don't kill him directly, but we bring about his death through indirect means. That's what the Ram, the Ram rules this way. Even, even, even if there are, even, even, if, even if there's no hasra, he wasn't formally warned, so we can't give the formal execution of, of Chenek, of, uh, of one of the Arab Mises based in, but we still give this extra legal method of being Gorim his Misa, of causing him to die, or Edith Miyuchedes. There are other technical, technical uh, shortcomings in the testimony, or Bismarazeh, we don't have the Sanhedrin, so we don't do judicial execution. Nevertheless, the idea of being Gorim his Misa. Of, of indirectly causing him to die, that's something that remains in force. In other words, when for technical reasons, we, we know he did it, we have witnesses, but for technical reasons we can't apply the Mises based in, all is not lost, for us at least, for him it is, but we, we, we still cause him to die through indirect means, that is still the job of the based in. However, the Maram Sheikh says, for that you need at least aid him. You, you can be missing some of the formalities, you can be missing Hasra, you can have technical problems with the agent, but you do have witnesses. You just that the witnesses don't satisfy some of the technical, rigorous procedural standards that, that Sanhedrin needs to execute. But you, you do have at least agent. If you don't have agent, if you only have one aid, only one witness, normally you need two agents to do anything. You only have one aid, or if it's self-incrimination, then we don't kill at all, even Ali de Grama. Lacking two witnesses, even if there's strong circumstantial evidence, the, the, the Maram Sheikh brings a famous Gemara in Shavuos. It says that Shimon ben Shetach once saw two men. One was chasing the other in, 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 in hot pursuit with homicidal intent. They, they went into a cave, a Ma'ara, so he couldn't see exactly what happened. When, when, when he encountered them, he saw one with a bloody knife and the other one was dying on the floor, dead or dying on the floor. Shimon ben Shetach said, I didn't see the actual murder, but Russia, he said... We're the only ones here. It wasn't me. I know, I know exactly what happened here. And you killed him. But I said, I can't do anything because uh, I can't punish you because I don't have, because I don't have witnesses. I, I don't have proper witnesses, so I, so, so I can't bring you to court and punish you. So you see that even though there's a very, very clear circumstantial evidence, since he didn't have witnesses to the actual, uh, I think Tosa says, even, he was only one witness, but he meant even if there were two witnesses who saw this, even if there were two who saw these damning circumstantial uh, details, and they could report to base, and this is what we saw, we saw these two people running, and one of them came out with a bloody knife, and the other one is dead on the floor, stabbed to death. It's clear what happened. We wouldn't kill him, because even really, really strong circumstantial evidence is not enough for a judicial verdict of, of death, a judicial sentence of death. But so that, that's the halacha, but uh, not even kippa. The implication is we, we, don't even do, we don't even do extra legal execution in this case. If we don't have formal witnesses, we don't do anything. That's the implication. We mentioned earlier that uh, there are posts who say that, that uh, 
even that even that we still we still do apply extra legal execution, and we have various testimonials to this in the medieval period. But again, generally, that's when they had witnesses, or at least often it was when they had witnesses. Marmshik is assuming they have to have witnesses. He says, so it's true. Yes, it is true that. Even though we can still kill extra legally without all the formalities, but witnesses are a sin qua non. Without witnesses, even with strong circumstantial evidence, our hands are tied. We can't do anything. However, we have the Gemara above Metziah. We have the Gemara above Metziah that says Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon would apprehend Ganavim based on not even strong circumstantial evidence. His, his, his idea of circumstantial evidence was why are you dozing off at four hours into the day? You have no excuse? Off with your head. That is not exactly, uh, it's certainly not witnesses. That's not even what I would consider super strong circumstantial evidence. And that was still legitimate, the Gemara says. The Ritva makes this point. The Ritva on the Gemara. The Ritva in his commentary to the Gemara says, what happened to no Edim, no Hasra, no Sanhedrin? Doesn't matter, the Ritva says. Like the Rashba and the Tshuva, he says, Shlicha de Malkahu, an agent of the king, an agent of the government, is not bound by all those rules. Midine ha-malchus, it is, the, it is legitimate for the malchus to kill below Edim and Hasra, to punish people who need punishing. And not just the king himself, but agents of the, of the king are, are, are in the same category. Good. So the, says the Maram Sheikh, we have a Ritva. We have a Rashba, the Tshuva the Rashba we read before. Says the Maram Sheikh, I have the Rishonim who interpret this Gemara to mean that you are... That, that, it, is the, that it, is, it is the prerogative of the government, of the, of the king, even though Sanhedrin and Basin can't do this, but a sovereign authority, the sovereign power, has the right to punish in order to maintain order, has the right to execute, even based on circumstantial evidence. He brings the Rivash, that the Rivash says, the Rivash says that even, a Jewish, even, even Jews can do this, even, even without uh, Adim, that the, we have the right to do this. The, 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 the Rivash brings the Gemara of, of, of the... Rabbi Shimon ben Lazar, he calls it, who used to kill the Rishay Yisrael, the Hermann of the Malka, Shlobeidim, Shlobasra. And the Rivash seems to extend that to, to us. So even though the, the Maramshik's point is, the Rivash's point is, even though Maramshik is understanding that even if Sanhedrin, on their own authority, have to have Aidim, even for the extra legal form of being Gorim Misa, for killing him indirectly, even though we don't need all the formalities for that, we still need Aidim. But that's only us as the Sanhedrin. But, if, but for the government, for the sovereign authority, they have, they're not bound by anything. As the Rashba says, all we care about is the truth. If they, based on their understanding of what happened, even without any of the formal rules of, of testimony, even without witnesses at all, circumstantial evidence, if the government believes, reasonably believes, I suppose, that someone is guilty, they have the right to execute him. And as lo- when we have that power, if we're, uh, if, we, if we're agents of the Melech, or if the Melech delegates power to us, we have the right to do that. Therefore, the Maram Shik says, according to these Rishonim, he says that, <coughs> according to these, we've shown him the Rashba and the Ritva and the Rivash, he says that we have the, the Melech has the right, that we have the right to cooperate with him, to punish Jews, to execute Jews, even in the absence of testimony. That's all the, the government's prerogative, and we have the right to assist him in that endeavor. However, the Maram Sheikh says, the Rambam doesn't seem to agree. The Rambam says that this applied, this idea that the, the Melech Yisrael can do this, Rambam says Melech Yisrael can do it. A Jewish king has the right to dispense with the, the, the rules of procedure and kill people who need killing for Takana Sa'olam. That's his Rishus. Basin can do it, he says, but the, the Rambam is Mashma, he says, you need Melech Yisrael. 
and that a non-Jewish government does not have this power. Says Imam Shik, the truth is, it's difficult. The Gemara Bav Matiyah, the Gemara Bav seems to say pretty clearly, as the Rashba explains, as the Ritva explains, that it is a prerogative of non-Jewish governments. So, the Gemara has a grapples with this question. He says maybe the Pshat is that since we see Rabbi Shua ben Karcha and Eliyahu complain that this is Chometz ben Yayin, so even though they're not, they, they can't deny the fact that the government has the right to do this, he says, but maybe they mean that Jews shouldn't get involved that much. The government has the right to do it, but Jews have no business getting involved in bringing other Jews to, to justice in a, in, a, in a non-Jewish system of, of, uh, of justice. That's why the Ram says, Melech Yisrael, that, that it, yes, a, a non-Jewish king can do it as well, but in such a case, Jews can't participate. Maybe that's what they meant. The Rashba then, the Ram then has an objection to this interpretation. Then he suggests maybe the Rama means Melech Yisrael or Avusa. Even a Melech Yisrael can do it. Uh, certainly, the, the non-Jews are certainly not bound by the Torah. They, 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 the, the Jews have to follow the Torah, but the non-Jews, uh, non-Jews uh, don't, don't, in certain cases, we find that they have more power. They, they, they have a general Din Malchusa right, which is more powerful in some ways than the, than the power of, awarded to Yisrael, who, who's supposed to follow the laws of the Torah. Okay, so, so the Marmashik is not exactly sure what to make of the Rambam. The Rambam says Melech Yisrael. He's not sure whether Melech Yisrael is really limited to Melech Yisrael or not. But says the Maram Sheikh, his bottom line is, his ruling is as follows. He says, Amnam calls Eladina. This whole Pilpul and the Rashba and the Ritva and the Rambam is all Ladina. That Ladina, the government, likely has the right to do this, to execute criminals, even Jewish criminals. Ladina, it is even possible that we have the right to cooperate with the process. Jews have the right to cooperate with this process. That's all Ladina, he says. But his bottom line ruling and his bottom line recommendation now, finally, is as follows. Even the Rashba agrees that it is, it's something which Jews should not be getting involved in, at least not Gedola Yisrael. The Rashba himself did. The Rashba, I don't believe, addresses anywhere. If it's, if it's really not a Midas Chasidus, why, why did the Rashba himself do it? So I don't know. Presumably that Midas Chasidus is, uh, Midas Chasidus is situational, and the, the Rashba felt in his case it was necessary. In the Gemara's case, you know, killing a Ganov might not have been so necessary, so he shouldn't, they shouldn't have gotten involved. The Rashi may have felt his Moser was an intolerable problem. He had to be killed, so maybe there we, we don't apply Amidus Chasidus. You can't be a Chasid on the Cheshbon of the Klal. If the Rashi felt this person had to be destroyed because of a threat he posed to the, the whole community, then maybe Amidus Chasidus is set aside for that. But I'll call upon him. In, this, in his case, the Maram Shekha feels that the Amidus Chasidus does apply, just as the Rabbi Shua ben Karcha and Eliyahu said, Chomet ben Yayin, the Kedoli Israel shouldn't get involved in such an ugly business of turning over Jews to the government for execution. Therefore, the Rashba's, the Maramshik's bottom line is, We can't object to others who decide to cooperate with the government in, in, in arresting and prosecuting and punishing this murder. Those who get involved in bringing this murder to justice are kedin. They're not wrong. They're, they're like the blessed Rabbi Shimon. Even if the Rambam is ambiguous, we have the Rashba and the Ritva and the Rivash. We do have major Rishonim who allow cooperation, who condone cooperation with the criminal justice system, even in the absence of all the formalities that Halacha requires to punish Jewish criminals, up to and including death. Nevertheless, the Maram Shek feels Gedoli Yisrael should not get involved. Elios Beshev Valtase. 
they themselves should not be the ones to turn over Jews to the government. Sometimes your hands are tied. Sometimes it bothers you that someone is getting away with murder, literally. But sometimes that's the right thing to do. Sometimes Midas Hasidus, doing the right thing, is that Gedolah Yisrael shouldn't get involved. And therefore, that is the Maram Sheikh's recommendation. It is technically mutter, certainly for the government to punish the criminal. It's mutter for Jews to cooperate with the government. But Gedolah Yisrael should keep their hands clean, should not get involved. And that's his final recommendation. And therefore, he concludes... So this is the Maram Sheikh stance. Uh, it, 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 is, uh, it is nuanced. On the one hand, he feels the government certainly has the right to do this. Jews do have the, the right to cooperate, but Gedoli Israel shouldn't get involved. It's a dirty business, and they should keep their hands clean. Now, it's actually a remarkable thing. The, the Maram Sheikh Actually, at one point in the tshuva, I skipped that part, he actually quotes the tshuva of his own Rebbe on a slightly different case. But it's interesting that the Marmshik's own Rebbe, his great Rebbe, the Chasim Sofer, actually rules in a tshuva. It's not the primary concern of the tshuva, it's, it's a passing comment, but in, it's a passing uh, small piece. But the, the, the Chasim Sofer explicitly declares in a tshuva that it is never legitimate for any non-Jewish government, for any government to execute a Jew. The Chassam Sofer writes that the, the Chassam Sofer is discussing the question of whether it's permitted to bribe a non-Jewish judge. That's a topic uh, we're not going to get into tonight in any detail. The Chassam Sofer's position is no, that you're certainly not allowed to bribe non-Jewish judges to pervert the course of justice. That's absolutely usher. However, the Chassam Sofer says in a case where the, where the judge is not acting correctly and you're bribing him simply to ensure a correct outcome, that the, that the Chassam Sofer is willing to allow in certain cases. And one example of, of, of one application of that, he says, is if there's ever a Yisrael, if there's ever a Jew who's Yotzele Harag B'dinam, who is being sentenced to death, being executed under non-Jewish law, says the Chassam Sofer, in such a case, you are allowed to bribe the judge, you're allowed to bribe people to, uh, to save the person's life, because what they're doing is Shalokadim. The Vada, he says, ain't shum ofen olam. There is no scenario in the world she is chayiv Yisrael hariga b'dinayim that that for a, for a Jew to ever be chayiv misa to ever be chayiv uh, capital punishment under their law under non-Jewish law bliyedim v'hasra without the formal requirements of witnesses without the formal requirement of being warned ubeisin shal Yisrael mumchum shal chaf gimel without the requirement of the Sanhedrin of having twenty three judges who are considered expert and smuchim and so on without all these formalities, which obviously non-Jewish courts of law do not have, it's impossible, there is no way in the world for a Jew ever to be legitimately chayav misa. Therefore, any execution that they ever perform on a Jew is automatically shalokadin, and therefore it's actually permitted to bribe them to save the Jew's life. That seems to be in stark contrast to this entire shuv of the Maram Sheikh, who says that based on the Gemara of Metziah, Non-Jews do have the non-Jewish governments and courts do have the right to execute Jewish criminals without aidim, without hasra. We Jews can even cooperate with them. So, the, so it, it, it's a pella. The Chassam Sofer is claiming that we're even allowed to bribe them to 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 to, 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 to let them go because they're doing shalok kedin. And the Ramshik says, based on the Gemara, based on the Rashba, not only is it kedin, we're even allowed to cooperate because it, it, it's not midas chasidus for for Gedola Israel to participate in the process. That's not midas chasidus, but it's certainly legitimate. It's Melchim Mishpatim Yamin Aris, like the Rashba says. 
the Rashman himself got involved in his case, and he uh, and he and, and, and he helped uh, and he helped kill this Moser. So this Chassam Sofer is a Pella, and the truth is that that, that this this objection to the Chassam Sofer, a similar objection, is actually raised in the Sefer Ma'oros Nasan of Rav Nasan Nata Leiter. He says that there are, there are various Gemaras. He brings the other Gemaras as well. He says there are various Gemaras that, that indicate that indicate that the that, that that indicate that it is legitimate for a non-Jewish government that for a non-Jewish government to execute Jewish criminals, and it's and it's even legitimate for Jews to cooperate with them. So it's uh, the Chassam Sofer is very very hard to understand. However, he does say this, and it's uh, it, 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 it's 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 a little surprising that the Maram Sheik does not acknowledge this. Maybe he didn't see this tshuva. This might have been printed a little bit later than the other tshuvas. So maybe he, maybe for some reason he had, he discounted it. I'm not sure. I'll call upon him. So there is this position of the Chasim Sofer, but the Maram Sheikh, nevertheless, the Maram Sheikh, based on the Rashba, based on other Rishonim rules, that it is legitimate for sovereign governments to execute Jewish criminals, even without all the formalities that would be required of a Sanhedrin. It's even legitimate for Jews to participate in the process, either as agents of the government or if the government delegates authority to us. However, the Marmshik concludes that it is not uh, that it's not it's not appropriate for Gedolei Israel to get involved. But as we noted, based on the Chuva the Rashba, it, it's not so simple to just say they shouldn't get involved because the Rashba himself did get involved. So even though the Gemara does does lay down the rule that it's Chometz Ben Yayin that it's not Midas Chasidus, the Rashba says for Gedolei Israel to get involved. Apparently, it's not quite so simple. There are times, there are circumstances in which it is appropriate for Gedolei Israel to get involved. So what those circumstances are, when yes and when not, I don't know. So the bottom line is, though, that uh, the, the, the original question we said, so the, the Haredi parties are, are reluctant to support bills that might someday bring the death penalty to Jews. So again, it, 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 there does not seem to be a hard and fast rule, except maybe according to the Chassam Sofer, there does not seem to be, according to most poskim, a hard and fast rule that a, a non-Jewish government, or an Israeli government, has no right to execute a Jewish criminal. Should we actually support a death penalty? That's a policy decision. We we have to decide whether the the the, 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 the we we should figure out according to the what, what is the rutz and Hashem. Should we support a bill that might actually result in the death penalty for Jews? That's a question you can go either way on. But 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 the simplistic claim that it's uh, automatically illegitimate for a government to ever kill a Jew that would seem to be not correct according to according to most postcards.